All that matters, all that matters. Uh, well, we're glad that you're with us today, and if you're joining us online, we want to say hello to anybody watching online, and we're thankful that you're with us. We would love for you to join us in the room. If you live anywhere near Wesley Chapel, Florida, that's available to you. But come on, church family, say hello to everybody joining us by clapping. Yeah. <laughs> So today we're actually concluding a four-part series that we've been in called All That Matters. I don't know about you, but life has some distractions, and one of life's biggest distractions is confusing us trying to make everything matter the same, and they don't. What really matters at the end of the day can be summed up in one word. We've talked about it for four weeks, and it is the word relationships. And we made this statement right out of the gate. We said relationships are powerful, like in both directions. They're powerful as a source of blessing to your life, and they also can be powerful as a source of your greatest pain. So in church, we have to talk about those things, and we have been for a few weeks, because we've got to do it God's way, right, everybody? I think that's why you're here. You want, you want to know what God's way is. And so God's way for relationships is a word called covenant. And so we've spent a few weeks talking about the different levels of relationship that we have access to, not only with God, but each other in a covenant type of relationship. But here's the truth. The world's way is not working. Okay, culture has a way of doing things that is not going to be beneficial in the long run. For a season, it may work. But in the long run, it's not going to do what you hope it does for your life. And so we have a choice. God's not going to force us. We can either go God's way or we can go the world's way and then come back and go God's way because it's the only way that works. Now, here's what we've talked about in this series. It's the word covenant. And we, des we defined it as this. It's a solemn agreement between two parties for the purpose of creating and maintaining a successful relationship. The thought is... We, we not only need to create the right relationships, that's one thing, but it's a whole nother thing to maintain them. Can somebody say amen? Where are my married folks at, right? Okay, we can be honest in church, okay, because we all know the truth. Your marriage doesn't stay where you left it. You have to work on it. The same is with God and with your friends. And so we made this statement, we need to let the one who designed them define them. Okay, so he's the creator of relationships, and they're for our benefit, so we have a choice, either do it our way or his way, and how many know God's way is best? So in week one of this series, we talked about uh, the foundation of covenant. What is covenant? And we kind of did a compare-contrast between covenant and contract. The world's way for relationships is kind of contractual. It's got some conditions, it's based on performance, and it can be revocable. God's way covenant is unconditional, uh, irrevocable, and doesn't have the conditions. It's, it's meant to be unconditional. It's a, in marriage, a till death do us part. As a friend group, it's a, you're my ride or die, right? We end this thing. I'm not walking out on you. You don't walk out on me. Let's be loyal. But that's not the world we live in. We got a little cancel culture. We got a little this and that. And, and we bail on people faster than ever before. And it's just not God's Way. So week two, we talked about covenant families. We, we wanted to spend uh, the next three weeks talking about individual relationships we need to have covenant with. So we talked about covenant families, and if you're married uh, or not married, it's still applicable because the five principles we gave really apply to all relationships, whether you're in a church family or you have a family or you have a kid or you want to have a kid. 
or you're single and you want to be married, or you're married and you want to be single. No, I'm just kidding. Um, we, talk, we talked about all those things. Uh, in the third week, we talked about a covenant God, because this is the type of relationship God wants to have with you, and we've made this statement repeatedly. It's the type of relationship you want to have with Him, because it's good for you, and we explained that in week three. Today, we're going to talk about covenant friends, like Carlos is my friend right here. I got my man Josh over here. I got friends throughout. I hope you do here as well. That's the purpose of our church is to glorify God and to connect you with each other after you're connected with God because it really, really matters. And so what we talked about was in week three, Covenant God, and, and how the relationship we have with God is also inseparable from the relationship we have with others. Have you, have you ever seen that in your life? Like if I'm, if I'm doing good in my marriage, innately I'm, I'm doing better with God. If I'm, if I'm doing good with my friend group, I'm probably doing good with God. If I'm doing good with God, my, I seem to be a better husband, right? They're correlated. And that's why they're the only two of the Ten Commandments God gave Moses that are inclusive. You can't separate love God and love people. They impact each other. And so we've really got to not only love God, we've got to learn how to have not just friends, but the right friends. But here's the truth. Sundays are not enough. I hate to say that because that means I can't preach good enough for your life to be where God wants it to be. I just can't. We can't sing the right songs. We can't do the right programming. We can't create Palm City Kids to be this amazing experience, which it is. We just can't do enough on Sundays for you to get this right. You have to grab the bull by the horns and take it to the next step because covenant friends matter. Friendships are not optional which is why we created something called City Groups as a church, not to program the church any more than it needs to be, but just to give you a place to create what God said is one of the most important things in your life. It is the backbone not only of our church, it's how we can pastor you best, but it's also the backbone of your life. And honestly, I don't want this to sound negative, but if you don't have the relationship component with people right, your life will collapse spiritually. So you can love God with all your heart, and it can be very sincere, but if you stay isolated from God's people, not a perfect people, but a people going in the same direction you're trying to go, if you stay isolated, your, your life will collapse spiritually at some point. It reminds me um, of Genesis, the first book in your Bible. In Genesis chapter 1, it's the creation story. Okay, so God took six days to make everything, and then on the seventh day, he rested. We could preach that right there. But on the sixth day of that creation, he made man. Now, up until that point, he's making things and he's saying, this is good. He, you know, he puts the birds in there. He's like, that's good. That's good. I like that. That's good. He made fish in the sea and they're swimming. Little Nemo, little finding doors. Oh, that's good. That's really good. I did good that. Right? He creates the trees and the, and the plants. He gives the moon its assignment, the sun its assignment, the oceans its boundaries. And everything he says is good. And on the sixth day, he created us. And he said, this ain't good. This ain't good. And here's what he said in Genesis 2. He didn't say we're not good. He said it was not good for man to be alone. Did you know the first thing God said wasn't good was loneliness? Think about that. That the biggest health crisis in today's world is not COVID. And it's very serious. I'm not demeaning it. The biggest health crisis in today's world is depression, loneliness, and, and anxiety. Not that we battle those things, but they have a tendency, if we're battling them, to make us turn inward and push people away instead of waving the flag and saying, hey, I need help. 
can somebody step in and be my friend? But we do all have friends. And that's not really the question we're trying to answer today. The question is, do I have covenant friends? Because how many know them covenant friends hit different? Hey, they do. So let's look at a model that in the 1950s, two guys, a guy named Joseph Luff and Harry Ingram created. And it's a psychology model uh, to help us better understand the deeper meaning of the relationships that we have access to based on communication. It's something called the Jahari Window. Maybe you've heard of it before. It's been around a long time, obviously 72 years. But I want to break it down because I think it has tons of spiritual implications that we can glean from today. And it says that you have four quadrants in your life. And of those four quadrants, you need active relationships in all four of them. But you may be lopsided in living in one of them or two of them and not be uh, properly allocated, as my financial friends would say, in all of them. And here's the first one. It's called the arena. The arena is the area where I know and you know. These are your acquaintances. These are um, how a lot of people, you can walk into a place and a lot of people know you in a surface level manner. Like I may know your name. I may know a few facts about you. I may know your personality and you, me. But beyond that, we really... We really don't know each other like that. It, it, it's the persona that I put forth. It's the perception of me that I, I'm allowing you to see. I call it the public you. Well, y'all quiet up in here in that arena flow, okay? It's these acquaintances. And honestly, I believe a lot of Christians live here spiritually, which is why they never grow. Because they put on that, hey, I'm blessed and highly favored. Praise God. Amen. God is good. And all the time, I'm too blessed to be stressed. Desserts is stress spelled backwards, everybody. Yeah, they're just, and all that's true. I'm, I'm not saying we shouldn't speak faith and, and we shouldn't make some choices, even if we don't feel it, to declare God is good in my life. And I'm doing better than I look because God's not done with me yet. There's a beauty to that. But what I am saying is we can't live in that area alone and expect God to grow us and us to get over the things that are holding us back day in and day out. It's the arena. And here's the thing we've learned to put on. And there was a group of guys in the Bible that were the same way. The Bible calls them the religious leaders of the day. Leave it to the church people to be the, the ones faking it, right? Just, oh, hey, oh, I'm doing well, good, how are you? And we, and we undermine our sin struggles, and we overemphasize yours to make ourselves feel better. And that's not the life God calls us to live. And Jesus came, he rolled up, and he just confronted it, which is one reason I love Jesus. He just, he just gave truth, a lot, a lot of love. There's always grace. Like we sang, our sin was great, but his love was greater. That's Jesus. But at the same time, he's going to let you know so that you can take some steps. And here's what he said in Matthew 23, verse 5. He said to these Pharisees, these religious people of the day, he said, everything you do is done for people to see. They make their phylacteries wide and their tassels on their garments long. In other words, a phylactery was this thing Jewish people would wear on their head. It was like a, you know, they, they had a strap and then on the front would be a box. And obviously the Bible wasn't fully written in the times of Jesus. It was being written but they did have the Old Testament, and they had what was called the Torah, which is the first five books of your Bible. And so what they would do in these phylacteries, they would just be walking around with their big boxes on their head. And the bigger the box meant, the more scripture you knew. 
So you're just like, hey, this my phylactery. You know, oh, let me, let me get one for you. You know, and you just read it. And you can look this up. It's real. And that's what they would do. They'd make their tassels really long, like, oh, I'm real anointed. I'm real righteous. You know, and they would just like walk around like this, presenting themselves in that public persona of the arena of I'm a little bit better than you. You're a little beneath me. Maybe God will forgive you. And Jesus was just all up in their face because he was bringing a new covenant They said it doesn't matter what you look like on the outside. If your heart's right with me, you can be the least of these. You can be a nobody, but you're a somebody to him and that God has a plan for your life. It doesn't matter how many scriptures you know. Jesus says, hey, it's more important about how many you actually live. But the verse goes on to say in verse 27 of that same chapter, he said to these guys, whoa, I mean not really like that. He said, woe to you. Teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you are like whitewashed tombs. In other words, you're more worried about how it looks on the outside than how it looks on the inside. And God was coming through Jesus to change the game. Come on, say flip the script. He, he was coming to do it a little bit different and to take, as we've said, Hebrews 8, take that old covenant and not make it be something on, from the outside in, but to write his laws on our hearts and minds so that we would actually have the power to live them out. He said, you are whitewashed tombs. Throw the verse back up, guys. Which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of bones of the dead and everything unclean. Now, I don't want, to, I don't want you to feel condemned today, but I would bet in a room this size, there are many of you who feel like a whitewashed tomb. You're smiling you're not happy. You're laughing, <laughs> but you're broken. And that's okay, you're in the right place. And Jesus is saying, I don't want you to live in this arena life where everything's on the surface level and you have lots of acquaintances, but you always feel stuck at the end of the day as if life can't change. You're beautiful, you're like those tassels, you're like, oh, I look pretty good, selfie. Let me get a shot, Palm City, went to church, that's great, please do that, <laughs> we'll share it. But, but, there's, but, th- but there's more than that. Like, like there's more than that. You, you may be dead in some areas. Not physically, but spiritually, emotionally, financially, maritally. You, there may be some areas that you're presenting as clean that are actually unclean. And you need to know that we're a church where you don't have to fake it. We want to have authentic, life-giving relationships with each other that we can say, hey, this is me. Can I still belong? Yeah, come on in. Because we're no better. We just have a different set of issues. But together, with God's presence and accountability, we can become the person God created us to be. Can I hear an amen, church? Amen. The second area of this Jahari window is called the mask. This is the area that says, I know, but you don't know. This is our secret game. And it's okay to have secrets. I have secrets. And I ain't telling you mine. (laughs) But I better tell somebody. It's okay to have secrets. And you don't have to tell everybody. But you better tell somebody. Your life is only as safe as your secrets are known to somebody else. Let me say it this way. You're only as safe as the secrets you have right now. Who knows the area of your life where you'll blow it if you blow it. And if you don't have anybody that knows that area, ma'am, sir, you're in trouble. 
I, my name's Brian. I'm your friend. I'm here to help you today. It's okay to have some areas, but we can't live with a mask all the time. Here's what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 2. It says, we refuse to wear masks. Now, that's not a COVID thing, okay? So please, please don't soundbite that. Like, no, no, no. We refuse to wear masks and play games. I'm not playing the church thing. Rather, Paul said, we keep everything we do and say out in the open. And that's why I said, COVID is not the most serious issue in the world today. It's loneliness and it's isolation, hiding behind something that is not true. And you need to hear this today, that God cannot bless who you pretend to be. He wants your authenticity. He wants you, the good, the bad, and the ugly. It's covenant. And that's why I said it's the relationship you want to have with him. Here's what C.S. Lewis said. He was an atheist for most of his life. And through every scientific study where he tried to debunk everything about Jesus, he couldn't. So he gave his life to Christ and ended up writing tons of books. Praise God. It's amazing. But here's what he said. Friendship is born at the moment when one person says to another, what? You too? I thought I was the only one. And that's what city groups are for. A place where you can connect with people who know you by name. Always glad you came. Sounds like a cheer song. Remember? But it, it, it's a place where you can have real, life-giving, authentic, vibrant, healthy relationships that are not perfect, but they're covenant, they're committed, and you can see yourself grow, saying, I'm not going to be stuck in the arena of faking something that's not true. I'm not going to hide behind the mask of the areas of my struggle, knowing you have struggles too, but I'm going to live outside the arena, and I'm going to take the mask off, being who I really am, and allowing God to work his transformative power in me so that I can become the person he created me to be. Can I hear an amen, somebody? Thank you. It's good news. The third one is blind spots. This is the area that I don't know, but you know. So it's the area where I can't see how people feel when I do things, but everybody else can see. And if I don't give someone permission to tell me truth, I'm never going to be able to correct the areas of my life I don't see. This is like the sensitive areas, like the salad and the tea. The little hanger. And you get home and you're like, you didn't tell me I had a boogie in there. I thought, I thought we were friends. I had a boogie for like six hours. And you didn't tell me about it? That this, is, this is the blind spots, and that's funny, but I'm talking about some of the things that we do that are just not attractive. So who, who has permission in our life to kind of check us on our, come on wives, when his breast kicking like a 747, you're like, baby, I love you so much, you need to eat like six of these right now. Put all that Listerine, go ahead and gargle it real deep, that breath, that breath is hot, right? So we, we need, come on, you can laugh, that's funny. You need people. I need people in, in my life that's the same way. Who in your life corrects you when you have a bad attitude? Who, who can say, man, are you good? The way you're talking to your wife and your kids and the way you're treating people doesn't seem like you. Or who challenges you when you find yourself being a negative Nancy? And shout, shout out to anybody named Nancy. It's just kind of a, a phrase. But when you find yourself complaining a lot, just, oh, glass is half full. Oh, why are we doing that? I can't believe we're doing this. Blah, 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 blah. Who in your life have you given permission to check you out of that because it's not God's best for you? Who checks the behaviors that aren't good for you spiritually? Here's what the Bible says in Proverbs 27. Faithful 
Faithful of faith are the wounds. Man, that's countercultural. Faithful are the wounds of a friend who does what? Who corrects you out of love and concern. They go, man, this is not God's best for you. you God has more for you. I'm not going to let you flounder in mediocrity when God has greatness for you, when God has a hope and a future for you. Come on, if you'll give me a little permission, and, 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 and the only people you'll give permission to are those that you know you love and they love you, that have your back, they admire you, and they really want the best out of your life. So don't go around giving unsolicited advice to people. That's not what I'm preaching. That's not cool. Nobody wants to hear that. But if you have relationship with people, it's got to be somebody that can help you with your blind spots because they are an issue. Number four, I love this one, is potential. It's I don't know and you don't know. It's the what ifs in life. It, it, it's the what could be's in life. It's probably what helps us get up every day. That no matter how hard life has been or maybe even is in this moment, you need to know that your best is yet to come. You need to know that you still have potential, that God has a design and a purpose for you. And you are not your sin. You are not the label the world has given you. You're not the most recent mistake you've made, even when you intentionally did it. You are who God says you are, and that we believe that your purpose is still intact. The call of God on your life is irrevocable, and you can still become the person God created you to be because you have yet to experience the best version of you in Jesus' name. Do you receive that today? Come on, take five seconds and give God praise. Come on. But here's the deal. You're never going to fulfill or find that purpose alone. God will do individual things in your life, but when he goes to use you in a great way, he puts you in a group. City groups. Seriously, that's why we're called the body of Christ. That's why we're called the sheep of his pasture, a flock, because we are better together. We need friends, and so did the guy in Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2, verse 1 through 5, let me read these verses to you. The Bible says, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, that was his hometown, so he'd been out on the ministry tour, you know, helping people, loving people, meeting them right where they are, letting them know that they're not who society says they are, that they are loved by God, empowered by God, that they need to leave their life of sin and go live the purpose-filled life God has for them. He was doing all those great things. It's what we want to do. But he got back home, and the Bible says the people heard he had come home. They loved him. He was attractive. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to him. Notice, it didn't matter if he was at home or out in public. He wasn't in the arena. He was living his purpose in every area that God placed him. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and lowered him on the mat that he was lying on. And the Bible says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, there's so much in that passage, but I first want to highlight this. You need friends. This guy had friends. When his body was paralyzed, when he had an issue that kept him from Jesus, he had friends that said, no matter what it takes, I'm going to get you to Jesus. Who do you have in your life that's going to carry you to Jesus when you have an issue that keeps you from him? Who gets the text when you're ready to throw in the towel and give up? You need friends. Eventually, you're going to need 
somebody to borrow their faith. You're going to need somebody to borrow their prayer. You're going to need somebody to borrow the courage that they have, to borrow the prayers they're praying, to borrow the strength that they're doling out. Because at some point in life, your strength will run out. Now, if you have strength, do it for others. And if you do it for others, look for them to do it from you when life sends the disappointment you weren't expecting. And you need somebody to carry you to Jesus. What happens when life gut punches you with the news you never saw coming? Who carries you to Jesus in those moments when you don't have the strength to get there on your own? You need friends. I need friends to counsel me on the dark days, to text me when I'm ready to get up, give up. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. I want to submit to you, there are three types of friends in this one verse that you need. You need an encourager. You need a courage giver in your life that is your champion, that is your cheerleader, that just believes the best when you're at your worst. They're just like, come on, man, you're so gifted. You're so talented. Girl, I know what's happening in your life, but God has a plan for you. He didn't leave you then. He's not going to leave you now. You need a courage giver in your life, but you also need a builder. And what builds? Truth builds. You need a courage giver and you need a truth teller. Who gives you the, who do you give the permission to tell you the truth? It may sting a little bit, but it's what builds you. It's what helps you establish. And you need some doers. The Bible says, in fact, you are doing. You need some doers. What are they doing? I, I would submit you need some prayer warriors. You need some people correcting you, championing you, and you need people covering you in prayer. And I would ask you today to build that life board of advisors. Like we get a financial advisor, we'll, we'll get a, a marital advisor. Do you have a group of people that are your life advisors? Do you have somebody that is the courage giver in your life that you go to when you have nothing left? Or are you living behind the mask and don't want to tell nobody what the real is? Do you have a prayer warrior that you don't just say the prayers that help everybody else, but you say, man, I can't eat. I'm not even praying right now. Would you pray for me that I could get my relationship back with God? we got to have that. And we need the builders that we give room in our life to tell us, not just the things that tickle our ears and make us feel great about ourselves. And we need that. And we need the friends that will tell us the truth that help us overcome our blind spots so that we can step into the full potential God created for us. Not be a lid to our potential but be a, a, a log on the fire saying, come on, baby, you got you to gotta get moving. You got to do it. Proverbs 11 says, where there is no guidance, people fall. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Here's my advice, if you're wanting it. Assemble them, give them free reign and permission, and then make room to listen to them. Don't just hear them. You got to make room in your heart to really receive what they're saying. Number two, not only do you need friends, but your friends matter. Okay, so you can get friends everywhere, but that's probably not the best place to do it. Your friends matter. Who they are matters. What they believe matters. The Bible says not to be unevenly yoked. It doesn't mean that we don't love people who aren't going after God. It just means that we need to make sure we have enough people real close to us that are as we love the world and try to bring everybody into a relationship with Jesus along the way. The verse in Mark says this, verse 4, they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole in the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat. Do you have friends that will carry you to Jesus only if it's convenient? 
Do you have friends that will carry you to Jesus only if they benefit? Or do you have some whatever-it-takes friends? I'll rip a roof off this mug. I'll do whatever it takes. Yeah. I'm going to dig in the mud, and I'm going to get you to Jesus. Do you have a set of friends that go, you're not in city group? Oh, I'm picking you up next week. You're going. Ha <laughs> ha. You're going. Do you have friends that say, hey, had seen you at church in a couple of weeks. You chilling at home, watching online? It ain't the same. I'm coming. I'm going to pick you up. We're going to sit on the second row and worship Jesus. It's going to be great. Do you have friends in your life that says, hey, oh, you just attending? They ain't serving? Okay, no, you're going to get on the grow team because we need the friends that will do whatever it takes to see us reach the potential that God has for our lives because a life of mediocrity is not cutting it. So my question to you and me, I've already asked myself before I preached it, do you have those friends? Do you have those friends that would do that for you? That even in spite of your issue, like the man, the man's body didn't work, and that kept him from Jesus. What keeps you from Jesus? You're thinking about it right now. You don't have to tell everybody, but you need to tell somebody the very thing that you were thinking about in that moment. Because don't be misled. Don't be misled. Don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Do not be misled. Why does the Bible say that? Probably because we have a propensity to be misled. Don't be misled, husband, when you go on that work trip to think you don't need to let someone know what time you're back in the hotel room. Come on, don't be misled, ma'am, that when your husband's not giving you attention, you get that little DM that you don't even give it acknowledgement. Do not be misled, young lady, that you're dating this guy that you think you're going to win to Jesus. Mm-mm. It's going to corrupt your character. It doesn't work the other way. Don't be misled, young man, to think that you're going to just get on fire for God and go alone and reach all your friends. You're going to find yourself doing what you were doing again. Do not be misled. It corrupts. It damages and defiles. Not immediately, but eventually. Not in a second, but in a season. The right person in the wrong environment will become the wrong person. But they're good to me. You don't understand. They give me attention. They're available. Yeah, because I ain't got a job. They're lazy. They're living off someone else. That's why they're available. You don't, is that who you want to be? If you don't like where your friends are at or where they're going, you better, you better hit the eject button because you're going too. Your life doesn't go in the direction you want it to. Your life goes in the direction of the people closest to you. Do you like where that's headed? I'm not condemning you. I'm just giving you room for questions, room for thought. But they're good to me. He's so good to me. Good to you does not mean good for you. I'm going to say that again. Good to you does not mean good for you. They give me attention. Well, that may be more about your insecurity than it is them giving you attention. You need to get God to feel that attention and God to, to remedy that emotion in your heart. We generally will choose friends based on convenience and we knew, need to choose friends based on covenant. So my question today is, am I closer to God based on the people in my life or am I further? there's no neutrality are there people in my life that help me overcome poor choices or the people in my life enabling them the Bible says in Proverbs 17 a true friend is always loyal come on loyalty is a lost commodity let's bring loyalty back like I'm going to commit to you as a pastor and I'm going to give my life to this church 
And you have to make a decision if, if you're going to commit here or not. And that's not the question of the day. But you need to commit somewhere. Don't be a church hopper. Be loyal to your local church. Find one that preaches the Bible, that believes in you, that preaches Jesus, the gospel of Christ, the one who died for our sins and rose from the grave and has given us grace upon grace and mercy upon mercy. Find that church and get involved in everything they do. Well, I don't like that song when we sing that song. It ain't a, oh, you thought worship was about you? It's about Him. It's not about my preference. It's about worship and it's about community. Then I'm not getting caught up in the game of living in the arena or the mask or, or hiding my blind spots. No, I'm going to live in authentic community, hands open. This is who I am. And I'm not perfect, but I am letting Christ's perfection work in me. And God's not done with me yet. As one person said, I'm not where I want to be. I'm not where I used to be. I'm in motion. I'm growing. God's doing a work in my life. Because covenant friends are loyal. They step in when everybody else steps out. There's a psychologist, Mike Duffy. He's a non-Christian psychologist. It was on a TED Talk I saw, if you're interested. He said one of the best ways to find new friends is to volunteer. And he made this comment, and I laughed out loud at my computer. He said, usually jerks don't volunteer. <laughs> That's pretty good. People who serve are givers. They're not takers. And you need some relationships that give to you, not only pull and take from you. So start serving. Find a soup kitchen. Find a hospital. There's organizations in our city that you can serve meals to people who, who, who can't pay for themselves. And you don't, you could just be there to pray with them and eat dinner with them. Start serving. Start, start Join the grow team. Step through the grow tracks today at 12 o'clock. Go for it. Go for it. Get on a team. Life's better on a team. Find your purpose and get in the game. And you'll just start to see that Slowly, yes, I have lots of acquaintances and I still have some blind spots, but I'm not wearing the mask anymore. God's doing something in my life and it's to be seen, it's not to be hidden. And when I get around other people, they're gonna help me reach my potential. So you need friends. And your friends matter. And lastly, you don't need a lot of friends. That's kind of, did you meant to put that in there? I did. Notice in verse 3, it said four men. He didn't need everybody to carry him. He just needed a few. Now, I want to be friendly to all. But if you're friendly to all all the time, you're in the arena. And you need to be in the arena, friendly to all, but you need to be friends with a, a few, your crew, your tribe. That's why we have city groups. In a church of whatever size we're going to be, it's too big. Sundays aren't enough. You need three or four, five or six that know you by name, know where you're going to miss it if you miss it, but leave the best about you anyway. Love to see you coming, no matter what you're bringing with you. And they just see your future more than they see your past and present. We need that together today. The Bible says in Proverbs 18, the man of too many friends will be broken into pieces and come to ruin. Culture says I need more friends. I need more followers. No. The Bible is usually countercultural. You need the right friends. Friends that have the same value, mission, and purpose as you. And I could submit to us today that our purpose is different individually, but it's collectively the same. To know Jesus and then to spend our lives making him known to others. 
So how do you find these types of friends? I would submit we can sum up this message in a sentence today. Run hard after Jesus. Pursue God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Well, I don't know what's on the other side of that. I don't either. But faith says blessings on the other side of obedience. Faith says that God in our best life is on the other side of that obedience. So run hard after him and peek up and look to the left and right and see who's running with you and befriend them. Would you bow your head? Father, thank you for today, your word. I know today is exciting because the friend talk's fun, but Lord, we shared some serious truth today. And we know friendship with others starts by having friendship with you. The Bible says Abraham was a friend of God. Jesus said in John 15, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. Did you know today God wants to be your friend? He wants to be your best friend. Intimately walking with you, helping you, loving you, seeing you become who he created you to be. And he created a way for you to be best friends by giving us Jesus who paid for the only thing that kept us from him, sin. He broke the barrier. And in the new covenant, we can now come to God through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. But we have to make that decision. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you want to be a friend of God today, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. Actually, maybe you have been before, but you just walked away. You're not even sure when. Just between then and now, there's distance. And that distance can be closed in one heartfelt prayer. With no one looking around, if that's you today, you want to give your life to God. You want to be best friends with God count of three without hesitation I want you to raise your hand boldly we're not going to make you come to the front but I do believe a sign of faith a step of faith is important it is by grace what God has done that we are saved but it is through faith we have to respond grace has been done God's made a way you have to put faith in Christ in this moment so with every head bowed if that's you today and you want to give Christ your life would you raise your hand on the count of three one two three raise your hand awesome awesome slip it up, slip it right back down. I'm giving my life to Christ. I'm going all in. I don't even know what it fully means, but I know that I'm going to be saved and my sins will be forgiven. I'm a new creation on the inside. The old is gone. The new has come. It's a new day. And then I'm going to be a part of a local church that's going to help me walk out that decision. So pray this prayer if you raise your hand. Even if you didn't raise your hand, but you want to be included, you can. Say something like this. Jesus, Today, I thank you for what you did on the cross. I receive that sacrifice. According to your word, I confess with my mouth that you are Lord, and I believe in my heart God raised you from the dead. Thank you for saving me. I commit my life to you fully and unconditionally in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, I pray for every person here today. Lord, help us grow in our friendships. Help us find the right community and the group of people that can help us get to where you want us to be. God, we, we need your help. We need the Holy Spirit's help. 
not only to find them, but to have the faith and confidence to lean into the awkwardness of a new relationship, to lean into the vulnerability of a new relationship. Lord, we're asking you today for strength through the Holy Spirit, not on the outside, behavior modification. Lord, but internal motivation. Help us to take the steps we need to get to where you want us to be today. God, we give you praise for it in advance. And we pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus. And the Palm City Church family said a big amen. Come on, let's celebrate change lives together. Come on, put your hands together. Awesome. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you for the faith to make that decision. We had some hands go up in the room. I believe more prayers than hands were probably prayed. And here's your next step. Very important. You don't have to tell everybody, but tell somebody. We want to be amidst those that know. So you can take that connection card, finish working on that. You can check the box that I committed my life to Christ. We want to connect with you this week. I want to connect with you. Make sure that you know what's next in your spiritual journey because that is the starting point. God has more for you, okay? Don't stop at salvation. It's great. It's a free gift. You don't have to earn it. But God has so much more. Don't leave it on the table. Let us help you fulfill everything that God has for your life. And you can do that by letting us know on that card. If you want to give today, we want to create a space where we can honor God. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, honor the Lord with your wealth. It says, give him the first and the best of everything you produce. Then, okay, it's an if-then verse. If you do this, then he will do this, okay? Some of those verses in Scripture, the promises are available, but we have to take the step of faith in order to inherit the promise. We're to give God the first and the best, not the last and the rest, okay? So we believe in that, tithes and offerings. And so you can work on that. There's multiple ways to do that. Remember, you are worshiping God. This is not a business transaction. This is a part that says, I trust you. I prioritize you. I believe what I give to you, you give back in multiple, multiple ways to me. So you can work on that now. While you do, step two is the growth track, everybody. We really want to see you right across the hall at 12 o'clock. We'll continue to provide childcare. Love on your baby so that you can grow and find your place on the team. It'll be a lot of fun today. Remember, text your friends and bring them back next week. Start spreading the news about Easter. We're excited about it. Why don't you stand up with me today? Come on, let's pray and put an exclamation on this service. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your power. We thank you for your you grace. In the no mighty rival. name of Jesus, we pray. You Amen. Have no now and
us to go through life alone. Amen? Amen. So go forth this week. Make a new friend. Reach out to somebody that is a friend that maybe you haven't talked to in a while. Or join a city group. No matter what you do, come back here next Sunday as we start a new series talking about parables. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you so much, everybody.